This is a Crisscross Picks production. In the lightweight division of UFC 290, you got Cameo Lecur coming in at 12 and 5. Interesting fighter. Taking on Esteban Rivovich, who comes in at 11 and 1. Both guys stand 5'10. They're both in their late 20s. Kirk has a significant reach advantage, 6 inches. He's a switch stance fighter. Rivovich fights right handed. Now, Rivovich, more active. 4.8 significant strikes per minute to 3 for Kirk. Uh, Kirk can land like a takedown over the course of three rounds, but just shy of that. So neither fighter is really going to try to land a lot of takedowns, and they both got weak takedown defense, so we'll see. Now against Damon Jackson, Kirk fell by arm triangle submission in the second round. He did beat Makwana Mirkani by decision, gave up five takedowns. He also lost to Billy Q, uh, 127-55 to 55 in significant strikes. He did have two takedowns, but that didn't really matter. He got KO'd in the third round, but it is impressive that he made it that far. Please believe it. Now, Esteban Rebovich, 47% takedown defense. That's not very good either. Lost to Razabov. Uh, he did lead at 66 to 40 in significant strikes, but gave up 11 takedowns. Lost that fight by decision. That's crazy. But he did beat Thomas Paul at the Contender Series by KO. So this is a very difficult fight to predict, but you know I'm going to lean with Rebovich just because he's 11 and 1. You know, he's won 11 of 12. The only fight he's really lost is in the UFC. Now, Camiela Kirk is a tough fighter, which makes the prediction very tough. Crazy division, lightweight division where anything can happen. But I'm going to lean again towards Rebovich. Uh, he's more active on his feet. Camiela Kirk doesn't land a lot of takedowns. I have a feeling he'll shoot for some in this fight. So Rebovich is going to have to stop the takedowns. But he will. Uh, and he'll win this fight. Likely 29-28 by decision. Rebovich, with the win, in my opinion, will move to 12-1. and And one of the best divisions in the UFC, the lightweight division. UFC in the flyweight division at UFC 290. You got Shanna Ross taking on Jesus Aguilar. Ross 13-7, Aguilar 8-2. This should be a pretty close matchup. Ross, two inches taller at 5-6. He's 34, Aguilar 27 years old. So one guy leaving his peak, Aguilar moving into uh, his peak. You know, that peak range, 28 to 33 so one guy going out one guy coming in but they're both uh you know still within that range right still close to it now ross a switch stands fighter jesus aguilar stands right-handed now ross a lot more active so far 6.6 significant strikes per minute that's pretty good 1.6 for aguilar but aguilar likes to land takedowns nearly one per round so far though shana ross 100 percent takedown defense and that's because he was ko'd twice in uh, once in the contender series by Venetia Salvador and then in the UFC by Clydeson Rodriguez. But the UFC continues to give the guy opportunities. On the other hand, Jesus Aguilar uh, came in and got a loss against Tatsuro Tyra by uh, triangle armbar submission. I mean, you'd expect that. Tyra is undefeated. Uh, at the contender series, he did get a win against Arison Ferreira. So th this is why it's a tough matchup to predict because we just need more from each of these guys to really make an accurate prediction. But I will tell you this. I don't like the seven losses from Shana Ross and coming in and losing both fights. That's a problem. At least uh, his opponent, Aguilar, won at the contender series. You know, that could have been a matchup thing. But I just like Aguilar to get the win here. I don't think Shana Ross is going to be able to defend these takedowns. He can definitely strike with the best of them. But you can't strike when you're taken down. So I like Jesus Aguilar to win 
on takedowns and control time to move to 9-2, and two, in my opinion. Flyweight division, UFC 290. In the Bantamweight division at UFC 290, you got Cameron Simon taking on newcomer Terrence Mitchell. And I'll just tell you now, Mitchell hasn't lost since 2010. Cameron Simon has never lost. He's 18-0, Mitchell 15-2. and two. Now, Mitchell, two inches taller at 5'10". He's 33, so a little bit more experience than a 22-year-old Simon. Now, Simon has a 67-inch reach. He fights left-handed, 5.4 significant strikes per minute. Uh, not much to speak to, uh, speak of in terms of takedowns. Now, Simon, 40% takedown defense. That could be troubling against Mitchell, who's got seven submissions and seven KOs. Now, he's winning in the UFC, beating Mana Martinez by decision. Steven Coslo, KO. He won at the Contender Series by KO. So he's been impressive since coming into the UFC at 5-0, winning a Contender Series, and then going 2-0. Now, Terrence Mitchell, as I said, he's got, uh, well, I'm seeing 15 wins and 14 wins, but nonetheless, uh, he's never been to a decision and won. He's 0-1 in decisions, but he's got seven KOs and seven submissions in wins. He was absent from 2018 till 2023. After going on a long win streak, that's hard to explain. But when he came back, he got back-to-back submissions in 2023 in February and April. So, you know, this is a very high-level, skillful uh, fighter in Terrence Mitchell. Uh, It's just hard to believe that he's going to beat Cameron Simon. Cameron Simon has looked really strong so far, beating UFC-level competition. He's a 4-1 favorite for a reason. I like Cameron Simon to get the job done and hand Terrence Mitchell his first loss since 2010 but just a little bit of caution Mitchell could be a lot better than we think he is you know Cameron Simon's been tested but not truly tested and Terrence Mitchell's been waiting for his opportunity to get into the UFC for a long time but I like Cameron Simon to outstrike Terrence Mitchell defending the takedowns could be a big question mark here but Simon still wins in my opinion with the 9-0 bantamweight division UFC 290. In the light heavyweight division at UFC 290, you got Brazilian Vitor Petrino taking on Marcin Aprocnio, who comes in at 16 and 6. Petrino, perfect 8 and 0, but still young in his career. Now, Procnio, one inch taller at 6'3. This is a big dude. He's 34. Petrino, still young at 25. That's why he's only 8 and 0 right now. Petrino's got a three inch reach advantage. Both guys stand right handed. Now, Procnio is going to dominate this fight in significant strikes should he have good takedown defense he lands 5.7 significant strikes per minute petrino 3.4 but petrino will dominate in takedowns and should be able to work through uh, the average takedown defense of Procnio. he lands over four takedowns over the course of three rounds on average of course now petrino 66 percent takedown defense has looked good so far beating anton turcali by decision he had seven takedowns turcali had five he also beat Rodolfo Bellato at Dana White's Contender Series by KO. To get into the UFC, made you know took advantage of his opportunity and got a win in his first fight. Now, Procnio coming off the win against William Knight by decision, 79-8 in significant strikes. That's ridiculous. Lost to Felipe Lins. He led by 10 significant strikes, 74-64, to 64, uh, but he did give up four takedowns, and that's going to be the problem that he's going to face uh, in this fight as well. And and that's why, to me, uh, even though you got Vitor Petrino, uh, can land a lot of takedowns, Procnio won't be able to stop him. And Procnio can land significant strikes, but you can't do that from your back. And that's the problem that Procnio will have in this fight. I think Vitor Petrino, 
despite being of young age, will stifle the significant strikes from Procneo, which is tough to say. You know, Procneo will do good against strikers, but he's not going to do good against takedown specialists. So in my opinion, tough prediction here. I like Petrino, the youngster, to get the win by decision, maybe submission, to move to 9-0. Light heavyweight division, UFC 290. In the light heavyweight division at UFC 290, you got Jimmy Crute coming in at 12-3, and taking on Alonzo Menafield comes in at 13-3. And, and this is a rematch from a majority draw between these two. Now, Crute... Two inches taller at 6'2". He's 27. Menafield 35. So a little bit more experience for Alonzo Menafield. Menafield's got a two-inch reach advantage. They both fight right-handed. Very close in significant strikes, although Menafield dominated in that area in the last fight. But Jimmy Crute dominated because he lands like five takedowns uh, over the course of three rounds. So he dominated in that area. So you got significant strikes for Menafield, uh, takedowns for Crute. How is this going to play out? Now, in the last fight, Menafield led... 56 of 31 in significant strikes, but Jimmy Crute had five takedowns to zero. And when you're breaking down these fights and you look at the stats, that's exactly what you would expect. But you would expect uh, Crute to land some more takedowns and limit, uh, well, not so much land more takedowns, but keep more control, dominate more control time. Menafield's getting up, and that's why he's landing 25 more significant strikes per minute. So, before that, Jimmy Crute lost to Jamal Hill by early KO. Anthony Smith by KO. Menafield beat uh, Misha Sirkonov and Askar Masharov. And I, none of those fights really matter right now. We just know that these two fighters are even. The odds have them even. And how is this fight going to play out? I think a second fight helps Jimmy Crute. Because I think Menafield has peaked. He is what he is. Jimmy Crute's going to get better and better. Now, Menafield will attempt to stop these takedowns. I'm sure he's going to work on that. But he had a 75% takedown defense coming in, and it didn't seem to matter. So I think Crude is going to close the gap on significant strikes, continue to land takedowns now, just work on the control time. So, you know, Menafield can't stop him. Crude knows what he has to work on. I think Crude's going to sneak out a victory here by another close decision. Look for a split decision possibly in this fight, but Crude wins to move to 13 and 3. Light heavyweight division, UFC 290. In the women's strawweight division at UFC 290, you got Yasmin Uregui taking on Denise Gomes. Now, Uregui, perfect 10 and 0. Gomes, 7 and 2. Uregui, a uh, heavy favorite. So, let's get into it. Uh, Yasmin Uregui, one inch taller at 5'3. They're both in their early 20s, so young fighters. Uregui has a one inch reach advantage. They both fight right handed. Now, getting into the thick of it, Yasmin Uregui uh, is going to dominate this fight in activity. She lands over 6. Significant strikes per minute compared to about 4.7 for Gomes. You're looking at about 15 to 20 significant strike difference throughout this fight. But the takedown game goes to the Brazilian Denise Gomes, who lands like a takedown over the course of three rounds. But your regway so far, 100% takedown defense. She can keep the fight standing and she can get finishes like she did in her last fight against Estela Nunes by second round KO. Also beat Yasmin. Lucindo by decision dominating 86 of 66 in significant strikes. Now Gomes 50% takedown defense. So it would be interesting to see if Uregui will uh, use that against her. Coming off the win to Bruna Brazil uh, by second round KO. So she's got some uh, thunder if you will of her own in terms of the KO power. Loss of Luma Lupumi by decision dominated. Four takedowns 
to zero for Gomes, 48 to 19 in significant strikes, and beat Rayon uh, Amanda by decision at Dana White's contender series. So I can see why Uregui is a heavy favorite. She's going to win this fight. She's going to keep the fight standing, defend the takedowns, and just outstrike Gomes by probably 20 to 30 significant strikes. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if she lands two or three takedowns in this fight as well. But does she really want to go to the ground with Gomes? That's the only question mark. But nonetheless, Uregui is going to be a good fighter. She's already shown so. Uh, starting out 10-0, and will now move to 11-0. and In my opinion, likely by finish, women's strawweight division, UFC 290. In the welterweight division at UFC 290, you got longtime veteran Robbie Lawler, 29-16. and Taking on Nico Price, who comes in at 15-6. and Both guys, American Price is the favorite. Let's see why. He's one inch taller. At six feet, one inch taller than Robbie Lawler. Uh, he's 33. Still in that peak range. Robbie Lawler slowing down. He's 41 years old. Nico Price, two-inch reach advantage. He's right-handed. Robbie Lawler fights southpaw or left-handed. Now, big difference in significant strikes. More activity from Price. 5.5 significant strikes per minute to 3.8. So that's going to be well over 20, 25 significant strikes throughout the fight. Both guys land less than one takedown per round. Now, Robbie Lawler, 65% takedown defense, so that's average. That means Price's stat will hold up. You might get one takedown, but probably not. I think he's going to want to defend the takedowns and keep this thing standing. He's at 64%, so they're both average in takedown defense. So I'm looking at both guys getting one takedown, see what they can do with it. Both guys struggling lately, right? Robbie Lawler uh, is 1-5 and five in his last six, just beating Nick Diaz, and he was actually losing that fight until the KO. Nico Price, uh, one in three in his last four. He beat Atlas Cowboy Oliveira, lost to Phil Rowe, Donald Cerrone, and Vicente Luque. So Robbie Lawler can win this fight on a first-round KO. Or Nico Price will take this into deep waters, and Robbie Lawler will slow down in the second and third round, and Nico Price will edge out the victory. And to me, you got to pick one. And to me, that's more likely that Nico Price will wear down Robbie Lawler Lawler is always tough in the first two to four minutes of a fight. If you can drag him past that, you got a good chance to beat him. Now, he beat Nick Diaz because uh, Nick, Nick Diaz slowed down as well. Nico Price won't. He's just tw uh, 33 years old, so he's still in his prime. Look for Nico Price to take this thing in the deep waters late in the third. Maybe he gets the finish, but likely decision 29-28 unanimous. In my opinion, Nico Price moves to 16-6, and welterweight division, UFC. 290. In the middleweight division at UFC 290, you got Bo Nickel taking on Treshawn Gore. Bo Nickel comes in at a perfect 4-0. Gore comes in at 5-2. And, and both guys are early on in their career. Bo Nickel, uh, one inch taller at 6-1. Bo Nickel's 27. Gore's 28 in terms of age, right? Reach, uh, one inch reach advantage for Bo Nickel. He's a southpaw. Treshawn Gore is a switch dance fighter. Now, Bo Nickel is a very active on the feet, at least so far. Just averaging 1.7 significant strikes per minute. Treshawn Gore, uh, on the other hand, averages three significant strikes per minute. Gore can land takedowns too, like one per round. Bo Nickel's like a four uh, per round average right now. It's ridiculous because he comes in, gets a takedown quick, and finishes the fight in a short amount of time. That's his MO. And that's what's going to happen here. I mean, we really don't need to go further. Yeah, Treshawn Gore is kind of a, a stocky guy. He's a middleweight, right? But, you know, he's going to be worried about the KO power of Bo Nickel, too, and the takedown ability. But Bo Nickel is going to set it up, 
get the head on the hip, take them down and finish them inside of three minutes. That's basically what I think happens. I mean, the, the takedown game and the wrestling of Bo Nickel is elite. How will it stack up against uh, some of the better middleweight fighters? That remains to be seen. But Treshawn Gore is no match for Bo Nickel in this fight. It's going to be a very quick fight, in my opinion. But more or less, Bo Nickel wins one way or the other. If this goes to a decision, it will be uh, terrible for Bo Nickel. And I don't think it does. He wins in the first round, in my opinion, to move to 5 and 0 He'll get the takedown and submission here in the middleweight division at UFC 290. In the lightweight division, one of the best and deepest divisions in the UFC. This fight goes down to UFC 290. Jalen Turner, top-ranked guy, comes back, comes in at 13-6, and six, taking on Dan Hooker, looking to get back in a mix in a lightweight division. He's 22-12. and 12. Now, Turner's tall for a lightweight. He stands 6'3", 3 inches taller than Hooker. He's just now entering the prime at 28 years old. Hooker's 33, so a little bit more experience on the side of Hooker. Turner, two-inch reach. Advantage he fights left-handed Turner, or excuse me, Hooker, uh, can switch it up. He's a switch dance fighter. Now, in terms of activity, this is why I like Turner in a lot of fights. 5.6 significant strikes per minute to 4.8 for Hooker. So that's like 10 to 12 over the course of a three-round fight. Neither guy lands, on average, a takedown per fight. They're just under that mark. So they'll both probably land one, and we'll see what they can do with it. So good takedown defense from Turner at 74%. Hooker as well, 81%. Now, lately, Turner, he did lose to Matush Gamrat by split decision. That was a nice outing, even though he didn't get that win. Because before that, he ran all five in a row against Brad Riddell, Jamie Malarkey, Euros Medic, and so on. Now, Dan, the hangman, Hooker, coming off the win over Claudio Puelas. Uh, he lost to Arnold Allen before that and Islam Mahachev by submission in the first round before that and beat Nazrat Haparas. So he's kind of bounced around a little bit between divisions. Uh, now coming back to the lightweight division, looking to get some success. But as, as good as Dan Hooker is, and he could very well win this fight, don't get me wrong, I still like Jalen Turner. Even if he loses, this is a guy that's on the come up, right? He's starting to hit his stride. We've seen this uh, in terms of multiple fighters like Caceres. We've seen this with Oliveira. Start out slow, then boom, he wins five in a row and then takes Matush Gamera to a split decision. Uh, nobody saw that coming. So look out for Jalen Turner. Even if he loses this fight, keep an eye on this guy because he's entering the peak age of 28 to 33. He's at 28, just the beginning. So you're going to see a better and better Jalen Turner over the next three to five years. I like him to win this by close decision. The Gamera fight gave him some experience. So in my opinion, he wins on significant strikes and takedown defense to move to 14 and 6 lightweight division. UFC 290. In the middleweight division at UFC 290, you got two top middleweights and Robert Whitaker coming in at 25 and 6, taking on Dreykus Duplessis, who comes in at 19 and 2. These guys stack up well. Duplessis, one inch taller at 6 1. He's not even 30 years old yet. He's got a two inch reach advantage. He's a switch stance fighter. Whitaker stands right handed. When it, when it comes to activity, Duplessis, we know, can take a punch. And then can deliver, especially as the fight goes on. He lands 6.7 significant strikes per minute uh, to Robert Whitaker's 4.5. Considerable advantage. He also lands more takedowns, 2.8 uh, over the course of three rounds. That's basically one every round. Now, Whitaker uh, coming off the win over Vittori. Lost to Adesanya, but before that, beat Kelvin Gasolin, beat Jared Cannonier, beat Darren Till. Almost always, when he wins, it's by decision. And what we know from Duplessis is he gets stronger 
throughout the fight, but it's not a five-rounder, right? It's a three-rounder. So he's going to have to start getting off early in the second round if he wants to win this fight. He's got a 50% takedown defense. Uh, that's a problem, but not against Robert Whitaker, who wants to stand and strike. Now, he did beat Derek Brunson by KO, Darren Till by submission, Brad Tavares, decision, Trevin Giles, KO. What you like to see in all those is he's winning in a variety of different ways, like against Darren Till, landing six takedowns, just controlling him against Derek Brunson, outstriking him, right? It led to the KO in the second round. If I remember correctly, the first round didn't go quite his way, but he still found a way to win. So he's a legitimate fighter, a tough fighter. I don't know if he's on the level of Israel Adesanya, but he might be on the level of Robert Whitaker. You know, I want to go against Strikas Duplessis, but I can't here. It's just something, you know, on one end, I'm, I'm thinking Robert Whitaker, even though he's down in all the categories, takedowns, significant strikes per minute when compared to Duplessis. So normally I'm going to say Duplessis is going to win, which I'm, which is what I'm saying. But I still think Robert Whitaker, Robert Whitaker is the veteran in this situation. So some, sometimes I lean towards the veteran. Um, and I very well could be wrong here, but something tells me Dreykus Duplessis is going to win this fight. And it may not even go his way early on. As I said earlier, like in the first round, it may not go his way, but he will find a way to come through in the second round if it goes into the third. Maybe he's got to take it to a decision because you're dealing with a tough Robert Whitaker. But Duplessis is going to edge out a victory here at worst, in my opinion, to move to 20 and 2. And that puts him in contention for the title. This fight goes down, middleweight division, UFC 290. In the flyweight division for the flyweight division title, this is going to be a banger. Brandon Moreno comes in at 21 and 6 and holds the title, taking on Alexander Pantoja, who he lost to back in 2018, a long time ago. He's 25 and 5. Now, Moreno, two inches taller at 5'7. He's 29. He's peaking. Pantoja pretty much already peaked and maintained it. Uh, Moreno has a two inch reach advantage, 70 to 68. Both guys fight right handed. Now, here's where a uh, why a lot of people believe Pantoja will win is the activity. 4.3 significant strikes per minute to 3.6 for Moreno. Both guys land over a takedown per round. And in the previous fight, Moreno had two takedowns to none, but trailed uh, big time in significant strikes. So Moreno, 67% takedown defense. That'll be fine. Lately, he beat Figueredo in the fourth fight. Beat Kaikar of France by KO before that. You know, he had four fights in a row with Figueredo, but going back to his fight with Pantoja a long time ago, he's 24, 25 at the time. He's young, lost by decision, 79 to 45 in significant strikes. Pantoja, on the other hand, has won three in a row against top fighters like Alex Perez, Brandon Royval, Manel Cape. So he's earned the right to get to this fight. He did lose to Askar Askarov, but that was four fights ago. Since then, that was in 2020 as well, very early on. At a weird time uh, in the UFC, but has run off three straight since. Now, Moreno is nearly a, oh, he's actually a two-to-one favorite. I thought he was the underdog. Okay, that makes more sense to me because moments ago I was looking at it and I was like, how is Pantoja the favorite? There's no way. But in my opinion, Brandon Moreno is going to win this fight. He's going to do it on takedowns and really try to control this thing. And it might be a close fight if it goes to a decision. But I think Moreno still wins three out of five rounds on at least two judges' scorecards. But make no mistake, Pantoja uh, is going to give himself every opportunity to win this fight. I just think Moreno, uh, Moreno is too good now 
and it's you know four it's five years later 2018 to 2023 so you got a much better moreno since then he wins by decision more than likely to move to 22 and 6 flyweight division flyweight division title at ufc in the featherweight division for the featherweight division a title at ufc 290 this is your main event you got alexander volkanovsky coming in at an impressive 25 and two taking on yair rodriguez who comes in at 16 and three volkanovsky is a decent favorite nearly five to one coming into this fight now he's five inches shorter at five six he's used to that he's getting up there in age a little bit 34 years old he's got a one inch reach advantage both guys stand right-handed volkanovsky lands about 6.4 significant strikes per minute yair 4.8 per minute so both guys very active that's the first thing you want to notice volkanovsky lands like a takedown and a half every three rounds so that's like a takedown every other round so in a five round fight maybe he gets two takedowns yair rodriguez not even one takedown over the course of three rounds so just looking at how these guys stack up before we go further Volkanovski uh, is better everywhere. He also has a decent takedown defense, 70%. That's slightly above average. That's helping him uh, stay atop the division. Now, he went up to the lightweight division, as you know, lost to Islam Mahachev by unanimous decision. He got out, he outstruck Islam 70 to 57, believe it or not. But uh, Islam landed four takedowns and controlled the fight for three rounds. That's the bottom line. Volkanovski has beaten Max Holloway like three times, dominated him in the last fight, 199 to 127 in significant strikes, no takedowns. He beat Chan Sung Jung, a.k.a. the Korean Zombie, with four takedowns. He beat Brian Ortega in dominating fashion, 214 significant strikes to 88. And you can just go down the list, and he, he lands a lot of significant strikes. It makes it very tough on opponents. Yair Rodriguez coming off the win over Josh Emmett. That was big. Triangle. Submission. Beat Brian Ortega by KO. Lost to Max Holloway. See, that's a big one there. Uh, Max Holloway got off on him. Lost by unanimous decision. He did beat Jeremy Stevens before that. But listen, listen, this one's simple. Volkanovski's beat Holloway three times. Yair couldn't even match up with Holloway. This is going to be an easy victory for Volkanovski. Yeah, he's 34 years old, but he's still in the prime of his career. He's not going down in this fight unless there's some underlying problem that he has coming into the fight, which I don't foresee that as well. Although fighters do deal with problems like that that we're sometimes unaware. But the bottom line is Volkanovski uh, is the better fighter. He's going to beat Yair Rodriguez. But I'd like to see him get the finish. We'll see. But nonetheless, he's going to move to 26-2, and two, uh, mainly in significant strikes. He'll defend the takedowns well enough, probably land close to 200 significant strikes in this fight and win easily uh, over Yair Rodriguez here in the featherweight division at UFC 290.